Father, once again we come into your presence, realizing that you're here. We acknowledge your presence and your authority and the authority of your word. And uh, Lord, we ask you in this moment that you will pour out your spirit, your spirit into our hearts and uh, touch everything about us, not just our heart, but our, our, our minds, our emotions, everything that we are, Lord Jesus. And uh, like your word says, that it, it takes the spirit of truth to lead us into all truth. So lead us, Father, and open your truth into, uh, to us, Lord Jesus, because it is the only thing that will set us free, that will change us and transform us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you all would like to turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. This is the event after the resurrection of Jesus. So I am going to read from verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons, and the sons of Zebedee, which is John, John and James, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to feast, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught how much? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to hold the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, whenever you read the, uh, the Gospel of John, you hear that statement, it means he refers to himself. And John is known as the beloved disciple or the disciple that Jesus loved. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, so he had his undergarment. So he put it on, put it on and then jumped into the water. The other disciples followed, him, uh, followed, followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, uh, the, net didn't, the net wasn't torn. Jesus said to them, come and have some, have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. It was now the third time 
Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And verse 18, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. A very interesting story. We've been going through the book of John, specifically the last moments in the life of, of Jesus before the uh, crucifixion. And uh, we, we went through uh, how Jesus predicted everything that was about to happen, his betrayal and Peter's denial of him. And uh, so, uh, and everything that Jesus predicted came to pass. Not only, not only that, not only he predicted the, 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 the crucifixion, the betrayal, and the denial, but also he, he predicted the resurrection. And he said in other gospel, he said to the disciples, after, uh, you know, as, a fact, as a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter, uh, uh, in Luke chapter 22, he said, and in Matthew, in other gospel, he said, all of you will fall away. But I have prayed, Peter. When you come back, you will strengthen the rest of you. And then he said, he said, but I'll meet you. This is before the, the crucifixion. I will meet you in Galilee. So he predicted what was going to happen. When I'm raised again, I will meet you in Galilee. So uh, the disciples obviously were there. And he told them, actually, as a matter of fact, even after the resurrection, when they met the angels and Jesus met with them, in Matthew chapter 28, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to them and he said, listen, I'm going to see you again, but let's meet in Galilee. So they were there for that reason to meet Jesus. And obviously, everything he, he predicted came to pass, including this event that he promised he was going to see them. But the, this story was, was a very... very interesting story because looking back as believers when you, when you read it, it, it is on the one hand it is the resurrection was probably the most you know, it is the most pivotal moment in the history of the world but to the disciples at the moment it was the most disorientation kind of moment for them. They were scared even though they've met the risen Lord but they were scared they were in a hiding place Everything was done in a, behind a closed door, and 
quietly they were scared. But they were in Galilee out of obedience to Jesus because Jesus told them to. So that's a good start. But let's see what happened. So they went to the Sea of Galilee. This is, my, this is, this is good for all you South readers. A question to ask. What is the significance of the Sea of Galilee? Interesting. If you read Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22, that was the place of the initial call of Jesus for discipleship. When Jesus, Jesus saw the, a group of people, Simon, Andrew, and, and uh, John and James, that's in Matthew chapter eight, uh, 4, verse 18, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Also, in another chapter, in, the, in chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, it was where the miracle cats happened. When Jesus got into the boat, this is somewhere you know, further after the initial call, Jesus got into the boat teaching, and then Jesus said, okay, let's go fishing. And Simon said, Lord, we fished all night, and we caught nothing. And you're now you're telling me, you gotta understand, Simon, a professional fisherman, and now he's this rabbi, a carpenter, telling a fisherman how to do my job. It's like, you know, you know how in Australia, like, you know, I remember I used to work in a factory. I was a tire factory. I'm a, I was a tire builder. So when something, when something goes wrong with the machine, I wouldn't dare touch a spanner. Because that is not part of my job. That is the, the, the mechanic job. And if I do that, I could easily trigger the, the union to walk out of the factory because I crossed the line. <laughs> and right here, Jesus went beyond that. Not only he sort of, he sort of told a fisherman, a professional fisherman, how to do his job. <laughs> and I can imagine Peter says like, Come on, God, Jesus, Lord, I fished all night, caught nothing, and now you're telling me a carpenter, telling me what to do. What happened was, as he obeyed Jesus, there was a miracle catch. Powerful, powerful story. So, now once again, by the Sea of Galilee, at this point, Peter, like I said, after the resurrection, the rest of the disciples, they were a bit disoriented because it was a massive, massive, massive event in their lives. They've been following this man devoted, they left their boat, right? Like I said before, in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men, follow me, they left their boat, their net, everything, and followed Jesus. Can you imagine in their, in, their, in, in their minds, like, have I just spent three and a half years for nothing and this thing seems to come to an end? Jesus, yeah, he's raised from the dead, but we don't know what our future is. As you read verse 2, it says, Peter said, I'm going fishing. It was like, 
as if to say, I don't know what the heck is going on with, with everything here. I might as well go back to what I used to do. At least I know what I'm doing. I'm professional in it. I'm good at it. Here's the point I'm trying to make. When you don't have a strong sense of the future and purpose, you will fall back and revert back to your past. That's what Peter did. And that's what the Israelis did. The children of Israel, the minute the pressure came, they were about to enter the promised land. It was too much. It was huge. Guess, guess what? Time and time again, many times, they will go back to Egypt. They said, at least in Egypt, we've got this. At least in Egypt, we've got that. Anyone with weak sense of purpose and future will always revert back to their past. And this is what happened with Peter. Unfortunately, being a prominent disciple within the group, his decision influenced other people. So the others say, we'll go with you. It's amazing how in the community, we live in this, in this individualistic society, so we make a decision and, you know, we live in the world that says, whatever makes you happy, just do it. We go based on how we feel about things. And like I said before, I'll say it again, the world, you know, the people in the world live their life in the pursuit of happiness. But you and I, as a disciple, as disciples of Jesus, our job, our purpose is not to live in the pursuit of happiness, but in the pursuit of the purpose of God in our lives. Because it is for that we are created. Remember when God created Adam and Eve? There are two purposes, major purposes. Number one, to bear the image of God. Number two, to take care of the creation. All right? So they were created with a purpose. You go back to new creation, when Paul, Paul is the champion of new creation, he said, all who are in Christ Jesus are new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. All things have passed away and all things are new, right? You know, some of you probably know that scripture. Now, in this new creation, what does Paul say about the new creation? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You can write this down. What does it say? We are his workmanship or craftsmanship. The, he, he almost reiterates the language of Genesis. We are his craftsmanship created in Christ Jesus. He didn't stop there. For what? For good works. We are. So in other words, whether it's the first creation, the new creation, it's like God's beginning again, but there is a purpose. We are his workmanship. We are his craftsmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's really interesting. Uh, a verse before that, he said, we are saved not by good works, but by grace. So you put the two together. It's like, I'm not saved by good, because of good works, but for good works. 
So, yeah, so he influenced the rest of the disciples. Whether we like it or not, as I said, living in the community, we're going to influence somebody next to us, good or bad. And we're going to be responsible for the choices that we make. As a pastor, Diana, we can't control anybody, but how they do what they do with their time, but you're going to be responsible, not just because you, your choice is going to affect you, but people around you. That's a massive responsibility. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus was, Jesus was standing by the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. The beginning of the good news is happening here. You know the Bible says in Romans chapter 11 verse 29 that the gift of God, the gifts and the call of God is irrevocable. He's called you, that's it, it's always there. And we, we can see that truth being, being, uh, you know, being, being, uh, being revealed here, unfolded here. So early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He, he, he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Right at this moment, I call it the deja vu moment. <laughs> same place, okay, the Sea of Galilee, same time, early in the morning after fishing all night, and same predicament, catching nothing, It's like, just like Peter, going back into his past, he caught nothing. If you think you can go back to the past, at least you're something you think you're good at, guess what? Most likely you get nothing. Just a warning. <laughs> Always push for the future. Just like it was the first time in the Sea of Galilee in the initial call right now, an obedience to Jesus' instruction produced great results. So after this deja vu moment, there's a bingo moment. John said, it's the Lord. <laughs> I can, can you imagine for someone like Peter, it's like, as they, oh, who is this guy, you know? Because they didn't know it was Jesus. Who is this guy telling us to throw the net? He threw the net and then, Whoa, you know, and they've been going all night. All of a sudden, they could hardly drag the net into the boat. It's like that deja vu moments, like, you know, I've been here before. Can you imagine? Like, in his, in his brain, it's like, bah, bah, bah. It's like, oh, wow. That's one, and John said, it's got to be the Lord. It's the Lord. That bingo moment. So, in verse 7, this, I love this. 
As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The, the other disciples followed him in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. So I love the instantaneous, non-measured, and somehow irrational sort of response of Peter. Logically, he didn't have to do it like that. You know what I'm saying? I can imagine the disciples sort of, when, as soon as he jumped into the water, it's like, you know, no, you can't do that. Now you realize it's safer, it's less exhausting, and it's quicker when you row the boat to the shore than you're swimming and it's cold, you know? You can't do that. And I can imagine Peter also said, watch me. <laughs> and just went for it. When you are consumed by love, sometimes logic just goes out the window. <laughs> Peter reminds me of my, my wife sometimes. She's driven by this passion for Jesus and passion for me too. And we just would do things that I would, I would say, why would you do that? And her thing is like, who cares? <laughs> and Peter was kind of like that. Like he was driven by this passion for Jesus. He just jumped out of the boat and just started swimming. This, using my, my creativity, I can imagine he was swimming. He's like, you know, like, and then the guys were going, are you okay there? Like, <laughs> it's easier this way. <laughs> see you later. See you at the show. <laughs> But Jesus didn't care. Jesus, Jesus sees the heart. So in verse 8 it says, The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore. And then, and then when they came, they saw fire, uh, fire burning, coal, you know, coals of fire burning with fish and some bread. And Jesus was, was, was cooking something. It's really interesting. Before his death, he washed their feet. After his death, he served them breakfast. Right now, they all got into the shore having breakfast served by the master chef. So after this deja vu moment, the bingo moment, and Simon's response and breakfast with Jesus, and then comes this awkward moment. <laughs> After everybody had breakfast, then Jesus turned to Simon. Simon. Simon Peter. As, as a matter of fact, yeah, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? I can imagine it's like, 
course you know I love you. Now, scholars have different, different uh, views on, on that statement. Do you love me more than this? And the first, first option is, do you love me more than these people? Or do you love me more than these, as in doing fishing and all this? And the third option is, do you love me more, more than these people love me? Right. So, uh, with all different, different, uh, different arguments on, and all that, I would prefer understanding the context of the story and the, the, the journey of the discipleship, I think it's more fitting to, for Jesus to say, after all your journey, do you love me more than doing all this stuff, fishing? He asked Simon three times, and Simon first answered, you know that I love you. And the third time he said, Lord, and it, it says there that Simon was hurt that Jesus asked him three times because obviously it reminded him that he betrayed Jesus three times. And uh, so Simon said, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. I want you to think about this. This is very important in that often in the, in the time of reconciliation of restoration of, of relationship. By the way, if you want to know the title of this sermon, is <laughs> How Does Jesus Restore a Badly Broken Relationship? <laughs> How does Jesus restore a badly broken relationship? Now, it's really interesting because the, in the conversation, they didn't go tit for tat. Because often in our attempt to try to bring reconciliation, you did this, I did this, you know, you did that. It wasn't like that. Really. Jesus didn't touch. You did not be, you know, I mean, it really hurt me. The focus was on the purpose of God. Wow. The focus was on the purpose of God. And Jesus hit the very core of what it would take to do the task. Do you love me? That's it. it really, that's all that was needed. More than this. More than doing all this stuff. So often we get petty in, in, our, try to re, in, in our attempt to reconcile you do this, I heard, you know, and I try to say this, and we get muddied up in all the stuff. But really, Jesus hit the whole thing because there was a purpose, there was a bigger purpose in our relationship. And he hit that very purpose and the core, core issue that will actually cause that purpose to be accomplished in our lives. Do you love me or not? And I like also Peter's attitude because often the guilty part will try to explain his way out of the, the situation. Well, because I do this, you know, because you know, I, feel, you know, I was kind of under pressure, blah, 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 blah. He left it to the Lord because he said, Jesus, you know all things. 
You know I love you. He left the judgment of whatever the issue and the right to assess the issue in the hand of Jesus. Not on what he thinks is, is, is the situation is. That's why he said, Jesus, Lord, you know all things. He placed it in Jesus' hand to evaluate and to assess. And here's the thing. The restoration of relationship, our relationship with Jesus means it's not just a relationship, but a reinstatement and reassignment to the task. It was as if Jesus said, listen, that thing has never left you. I'm just going to want to know, I just want to know where your heart is. It really is that simple. And sometimes we create this religious culture and whatever where people blow it and then they, they sort of find it hard to find their way back. No, you know, as leaders, just like Jesus, we need to make it easy for people to come back. However, we need to know the issue of the heart's been dealt with. It really is that simple. Because unless something, here's the thing, unless there's genuine repentance, unless there, there's, there's genuine acknowledgement of what, what, what they've done, they're not going to be set free. And we owe it to them to be, to, to be set free. So, but we, we can't get too petty about, about stuff. And here's the thing. Is there discipline in the church? Absolutely. But discipline is redemptive, not vindictive. Is that okay with you guys? It, there has to be a dis- discipline in the church. And we've done that in some occasions. But the purpose of that is redemptive, not vindictive. If I discipline you, is my purpose is so that you got back on track to where you belong. That's it. And Peter went back on track right where he belonged. Because God wants us to walk in the place where we created to be for good works that God has prepared for us beforehand. He's prepared it for us beforehand. This makes, that's why the whole thing of, you know, people backslide from, from the faith and just never see the church. I thought, why? It, it really... And it could be sometimes the, 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 the church culture or the, the, the sometimes, you know, I've, I've made the same mistake. The immaturity of, of the leadership sometimes. And, uh, but you hear these words, you wanna, I, I want to challenge you to take ownership. Wherever you are at spiritually, if you feel you're not, you're, not, you're not where you're supposed to be, just say, Jesus, you know all things. I'm back. <laughs> For the purpose of God. Let's all stand up. Can I have the music, please?
I'm sorry. Let's do Jesus in this year. Thank you, Jesus. Saving Jesus is so simple, isn't it? It's very, very simple. Let's not make it complicated. It's always about the relationship with Him. Remember, we talked about the, uh, the, the, the parable of the vine. We, we focus so much on, on our fruitfulness, on our performance. We think that is fruitfulness. But from that parable, we realize Jesus wants us to focus on our relationship with him. He said, unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. So really, yes, that there are things to do, but our primary focus should be our relationship with him. And when we blow it, it's like, Jesus, you know. You know all things. And you know that I love you. It's funny. Jesus, in reinstating Peter, didn't ask for anything, just that one question. Do you love me? Above all this stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Next week, I, uh, I want to continue this. just want to dig deeper into this idea because we, you know, we throw, throw, throw around this phrase, reconciliations. And the question, as I was studying this thing, so is reconciliation possible in every relationship, in all relationships? That's a good question, isn't it? What happened to, like, you know, when you, as we studied this story of Jesus, there was no reconciliation between Jesus and Judas. So that's something to think about. I believe in reconciliation, but we need to, to really look into how does God reconcile the world to himself? As it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 to 21. But like Cleb just pointed out, you need to look to Jesus and come to him. That was a powerful scripture from Isaiah 41. As we sing this song, let's just focus on Jesus because that's all we need to do, just focus on him. Who made the sun to rise and bring the earth new life with every being, Jesus, it is you. Who turns the day to night and watches me as I begin to dream, Jesus, it is you. me food for table who asks for all of my needs who walks the road with me has gone with me through all the 
lay hands on our, on our hearts wherever you believe heart is <laughs> you know we as we, we, we've gone through this whole teaching of Jesus the last moment with the disciples and he he started to teach on the, on the function of the Holy Spirit Two things that came to mind. He said, He will reveal me to you. And he says, He will glorify me. And the last prayer of Jesus, when Jesus prayed, in John chapter 17, he said, That the love of the Father that the Father has, Lord, that he said, Father, the love that you have for me will be in them. Let's just think of that, about that. The prayer of Jesus in the closing of the whole thing, his prayer, he said that the love that you have with which you love me will be in them. Wow. Do we realize how much the Father actually is passionate about Jesus? I mean, gosh. We just read it like that and just think, okay, but wow. Do we actually know how much the Father loves Jesus? And he said, and the prayer of Jesus is that same love with which the Father has loved Jesus will be in us. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit to just speak to us because that is the key, like I said in this passage, is the same word love Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Because that's what's going to take that passion, uncompromising passion for the, of the love of Jesus in our hearts. They will get the task done. Because if we can love God that way, the same love can be transferred to other people around us. Let's pray. Father, 
I pray that the love of Jesus, the way you love Jesus, your son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will be in us, Lord Jesus. The same passion. It is so profound. It is so amazing. But this is your prayer, Lord. And every prayer that you pray always happens, Lord Jesus. And we ask you the same prayer for us, Lord Jesus. Touch every heart. I don't know where you are spiritually at the moment in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe some of you, what we call backslidden, whatever it is, there's only one thing you need is to love Jesus. So we're just gonna, I'm just going to just open the, the, this, this place, this space, give space for you guys. Anybody need to be prayed for. And just let the Holy Spirit minister to, to you. If you feel you need to be prayed for, anything. Like Jesus, I just, I'm going through something. We're going to lay hands on you because I believe this is where, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're going to lay hands on you and trust that the Holy Spirit will touch you. Anybody at all. If you don't know Jesus, just come. And you feel like, I want to know Jesus. I don't want to put you on the spot. You just, you can, I can mix you with, you know, with all these people. Just come. Meet this person, Jesus. And just tell him how much you love him. The music will continue with this song. So we open, we're going to open the altar. Anybody want to be prayed for, just come to the front. Let's just continue with the, with the, with the song, yeah? Jesus, it is you. Jesus, it is you. Yes, come to the front. It's awesome. Father, Lord, I pray for your people with every hand lifted up before you. I prophesy in the name of Jesus an outpouring of blessing from heaven, Lord. So that your people, Father, as we leave this place, we are people marked by the favor of God. 
But Lord, the blessing of God is not going to stop with us. It will flow out of our lives and touch many lives around us. Yes, Lord. Our family members, our neighbors, our friends at work. Yes, Lord, our bosses, business clients, business partners will be touched by your blessing because we are people purchased by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please hang around. We just keep the music going.